Welcome to Help From Future Self. Howdy, what's happening, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help From Future Self. It's the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. My name is Alex. I'm also known as Scuzzy Gruen, and I am joined by the whole gang, all of the Help From Future Self hosts here to talk a little House Untamed. We've got SC Steele. Hey, hey. And Boulevard Blake. Yo, what's going on? And our great pal, it's the Wheeling Key Forger, Rick. Hey, y'all. So when we knew we were going to talk, be talking about House Untamed this week, we knew that, that Rick had to be here. Because of all of us, I think he's been the most loyal to Untamed, his favorite house. Rick, are you excited to talk a little Untamed, their history and their potential future? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm not, I will start out by saying I'm not happy that they're not in the next set. <laughs> but I, I, as the Mars lovers have been waiting, I will await their return. That's a, a nice philosophical attitude to take it from. And me as the Brobnar guy in uh, amongst all of us, I, I am. I, I must say that you know, it, everybody will lose their favorite house at some time. Now guaranteed. So if you're uh, if you're big on Star Alliance and you're riding high right now, just know that someday in the future. They might not be around. But what Rick is alluding to there is that Winds of Exchange, the forthcoming set from Keyforge, and we say forthcoming because it's designed, they just need to rebuild the algorithm to build decks before they can actually start printing it and sending it to stores. Winds of Exchange is losing out on House Logos, House Shadows, and Untamed, three uh, houses that have been in Keyforge since the very beginning, Call of the Archons. And so if you listen to the last couple of episodes, we talked about Shadows and we talked about Logos, what they bring to the table, what their history has been within the game set by set, and what we might need to replace them in a theoretical sense to uh, continue uh, balance within the game. So are you guys ready to look at the history of Untamed? Let's do it. Totally. So... Historically, what Untamed has been associated with is because of its sort of um, wildlife and nature theme, we've seen a lot of amber and we've seen a lot of growth. So growth is oftentimes represented through things like recursion, bringing things back from uh, your discard pile where they've been. But we've also seen it in terms of things like adding counters onto things to increase their power. So oftentimes what you would get is sort of this combination of ability to generate lots of amber and also ability to recur things. In addition to that, you've also had like very, very reliable key cheats um, historically. Those have been things that Untamed has absolutely excelled at. And I don't think that any set represented that quite so much as Call of the Archons, the very, very first set of Keyforge when Untamed was, in my opinion, at their absolute height. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. So let's run down what made Untamed so incredible in the Coda era. For one thing, there was Amber all over the place. No set had printed Amber like uh, a Call of the Archons, and no house had printed Amber like uh, House Untamed did. You had it on uh, action cards like Fertility Chant. Uh, you had it on creatures like Dust Pixie and Fuzzy Gruen. Um, you had the Hunting Witch and Full Moon, which allowed you to gain Amber for playing creatures. Um, and not only that, you had ways to recur creatures. So you had lots of really excellent stuff like uh, uh, Nature's Call. Um, you had Lost in the Woods, additionally. Um, not only that, you had uh, the aforementioned Key Cheats um, in the form of uh, Chota Hazri and Key, key Charge. 
Um, and on top of that, you had lots of really great recursion in the form of Nepenthes Seed and, uh, of course, the Witch of the Eye. So all of that, plus like tons of other great little utility cards, things like Fog Bank, Mimicry, which is still like a top 10 card in my estimation for its absolute ability to just like give you a tool when you need one straight out of your opponent's discard pile. There's just tons of great stuff and very little garbage in the Coda era. There's a few cards that I'm not super fussy about. I don't think Briar Grubbling is a very well thought out card. Why would anybody want to attack into a two power creature? So, <laughs> you know, giving it five hazardous is like, I, to what end? What, what value does that have? Um, you know what I've always wondered is, is Briar Grumbling the original state before becoming a mutant in the form of Pismire? Kind of crossed my mind. Folks, if you Ooh. haven't checked that card, maybe check that out because I've always wondered if that's the evolution in the mutant form. It, that's your Pokemon brain thinking. Interesting <laughs> take. Interesting take. Um, I, I think one of the other interesting things to me about it is that you still saw like a little bit more of a combat theme amongst a lot of the creatures. Um, which I always thought was kind of interesting, like Snufflegator giving your creatures like uh, a skirmish, and you know the uh, the the Niffle Ape and the Niffle Queen being you mean able Halicor. to like. Oh, what did I say? You said um, the oh, Snufflegator. Oh, Snufflegator right. is Halicor. skirmish. Yeah. Yes, and is is an okay creature. Um, but you also had like the Niffalapes that had the ability to bypass, uh, you know, Taunt and Elusive and things like that. Um, and I think just, that's like, way really overlooked. Cool yeah. I think Niffle Apes, they've been in the game for so long, and I think it's the power to ignore Taunt and Elusive, I think is just not taken seriously enough, that card. Like, I was thinking about it the other night, and I was like, this is kind of a really good thing in the game. I think it's also more powerful in Coda than it is in any other set, because Taunt and Elusive were the main mechanics that creatures used to not be attacked whereas like that evolved and grew as the sets came out so i think that in coda we see that most effective mm -hmm. and i and i know for myself I've, I've actually noticed lately that i have been ignoring that benefit that it ignores the taunt and elusive and i'm like wait a minute i could be using this a lot more than i have been yeah, I think it's a forgotten trait almost that exists. Yeah, certainly. I think one of the the and especially too if you're playing like an old school coded deck that has like Niffleapes and Niffle Queens and and you know mm -hmm. abilities to pump up those creatures against uh, sort of a lot of modern decks that make a lot more use of Taunt, you're definitely seeing a, a lot of that. Especially like if you've got sort of Star Alliance, like modern Star Alliance and modern Sanctum decks that make good use of of, of Taunt, especially. Um, one of the other things I really wanted to note here is that because like we haven't even talked about like super staple cards from this year, like Mermook, um, mm -hmm. Nocturnal Maneuver, stuff like that. Stuff that was super common. Regrowth for goodness sakes. Stuff that was super common. Hunting. Yeah. That showed up in every single deck and that, you know, was was were great utility cards. Um, and that's sort of one of the things I really wanted to address was the fact that because there were so many great untamed cards in this era, that it was very rare to get like a bum untamed house. Like you might get one or two cards that you're a little less fussy about the aforementioned Briar Grubbling, uh, maybe, you know, like a Stampede or something like that, that rarely goes off. But for the most part, you're probably going to get like one, two, maybe even three great witches uh, like Taliga or Witch of the Eye or Hunting Witch, multiples of any of those are always excellent. You were always probably going to get like either a Nepenthe Seed or a Mimicry. 
Did I even mention Nepenthe Seed? Like a staple amazing recursion card. You are probably mm-hmm. going to get a key cheat and you're going to get some other ways to get Amber. Like Coda Untamed was just always good. <laughs> Nature's Call and a couple of Dust Pixies. Any oh, yeah. key cheat, throw it right in there. So it was a house that started so incredibly high up there with shadows in my estimation um, and logos as being like right there, just because it was so possible to pull off a win with those key cheats and with all that Amber generation, you could literally start a turn and end the game with your opponent, not being able to do anything about it. It's also a house that kind of had the furthest to fall. And the first step of that, and maybe this is a controversial opinion is age of Ascension. Now, going back and looking at the Age of Ascension card pool, guys, I was a little, like, in my mind, it was a worse card pool than it actually is, but I think I might have just been focusing on some of the cards that I, like, throw my hands up at. And I'm thinking about Bumblebird, which I know, Blake, is not one of your (laughs) favorites. I love the art, and it makes me sad that the art is so great and the card is so less great. But, I mean, if, if we're looking at it, we still had some really cool cards. Like, Nepenthe Seed is still around. Mimicry is still around. Nature's Call is still around. Um, plus, Key Charge is still around. Uh, Chota is still around. We got some great new creatures like Amberspine Mongrel, who I always thought was really excellent. Um, you know, my beloved Gruens are still around. Um but you aren't seeing like a huge amount of new amazing cards coming into the game at this point for House Untamed. Cough. Punctuated Equilibrium. Cough. Punctuated <laughs> Equilibrium is great. There is no question. And I'm also a fan of Soldiers to Flowers. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone thinks of a quintessential artifact when you think of Untamed AOA and you can't really get past the, the heart of the forest hate when you, oh, you, when you think tongue. AOA. The heart of the forest in the room. Everyone has to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't leave that elephant out. Just one of those uh, ones that I, I imagine once the, the, the set got out in the wild, the designers must have realized they made a horrible mistake. Yeah, I mean, I'm just it's- glad like they, they had pre-decided that it wouldn't move on to Worlds Collide because they obviously, they create these sets in advance of releasing them. And so Worlds Collide was probably already either already fully designed or pretty close to when um, AOA was released and out in the wild. So knowing that it didn't come back was just something that was so relieving, even though it was it, they, they had to have the foresight to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm also, obviously we have to talk about Dusk Witch because that was a card that everyone was afraid of because if it gets dropped turn one and you don't have a response, your opponent's going to have some fun their following turn. And that's an interesting card that was only in this set because it arguably became so much worse after this set because of all the ping damage that existed. You could easily deal with the Dusk Witch, but in AOA, it was truly a scary sight as the Mm -hmm. art suggests. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely correct. But I mean, of the creatures that are introduced around here, you know, it and Amber Spine Mongrel, I think, are pretty much the tops. None of the rest of them really agree. do a lot for me. You know, Post Pixies is kind of interesting as as a steel hate, but like it's a one power creature. It's so easy to take off the board. And like I don't know necessarily that it would have unbalanced the game to have it be like a five power creature, you know? But you know, sure. I think they gave it around. elusive. They gave it elusive and hoped that it would do more, but there was so much ping damage, so much one damage um, out there that it was just really hard for it to actually be effective. Mm-hmm. I Rick, think Grover Keeper is a very underrated card. 
I know Ooh. you were a big fan of the Panpacas. Did you find them effective? Um, I did. I find them less effective now with more stuff out, but I found I found I found them effective. Um, they're they're not the decks that I have with them in it. They're not really competitive, but they're definitely fun. Um, they can hold their own, but they're just not quite good enough to be considered competitive. I mean, I really saw a lot of decks that, that were pretty nasty with Anga, where you could really build up your battle line like by throwing down an Anga at one end and make things real difficult, especially if you had some beefy mm-hmm. creatures already. Jaga, I never found that interesting. Like, Agreed. Giving all your creatures skirmish is just like, well, okay, that's fine, but that's a more fight-based... I mean, I can see why they did it, because AOA is widely accepted to have been the let's make people engage on the board set. But it's never really been a game changer for me or like a, a, a real, you know, playmaker for me. I think Jag is a little bit underrated because of the the nature of it being an untamed. It can be on the board where you don't really expect untamed to do much, but somehow you get another house on the board like Brobnar or in the in the next set, you get um, Saurians out there and they're doing their thing and you do you realize that all of them have skirmish. So you've suddenly given this whole other house that's based on fighting skirmish. And that's it's a little bit underrated because in untamed doesn't do much, but it's maybe not for the untamed creatures in your deck. And Rick, do you have a favorite uh, AOA card from Untamed, since you are undoubtedly the AO- the Untamed ambassador, so to speak? Um, I would say it's a it's a mix bet- or a tie between Punctuated Equilibrium and the Thumbacas. Okay, what's what's the reason? Do you just like the the flavor that the Pampacas bring to the table? I like the the flavor, and I I love the fact that Anga boosts everything. And then just with punctuate equilibrium, I love the fact it can cause so much shenanigans where your opponent thinks they have the perfect plan for their their next turn. You throw that down and they're completely their hand completely changes. And you're like, hee hee, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> One quick note on recursion cards. Um, this is also the set that gave us Glimmer, um, which allowed mm-hmm. things like the Glimlock to happen if you had Glimmer plus Nature's Call. Um, as well as Gravid Cycle, both of which I think are quality. Um, I think that it's mostly the fact that because there's a few more like less impactful cards in the mix, you go from Coda, where I was saying, you know, pretty much every every house layout in Coda is pretty good to great, to this kind of more mixed, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's kind of vanilla and not that interesting. I think what really hurt Untamed in AOA was that the ember control is non-existent where that was not the case there was some forms of ember control in coda and they completely neutered it in this house i mean essentially aside from life web is that which i don't even really count as ember control is there really anything that's going to stop your opponent if you have it so it just was the the feels bad of ember lack of ember control in the set was really compounded with Untamed coming up short. So moving on to Worlds Collide, quick quick poll around the table. Without looking too hard or thinking too hard about it, just give me your first thought. Worlds Collide AOA, better or worse than AOA uh, Untamed? Worse. Better. I like it better. I don't know if it I don't know competitively if it's better or worse, but I like it better. 
So let's look at a couple of the really, really good returning cards that are still around in uh, Untamed at the time of Worlds Collide. Key Charge, still around. Nature's <laughs> Call, still around. Mimicry, still around. Uh, Gravid Cycle makes another appearance. The best card in the entire game, Fuzzy Gruen, is still around. <laughs> um, the Packas are still around. Uh, Punctuate you know, Equilibrium. The, yep, still around. Regrowth is still making an appearance. Um, the Witch Focus is a little less so. Um, so, you know, we've got Taliga and Witch of the Wilds. They're still kicking around. Plus, we get a new Witch in the form of Xenos Blood Shadow, uh, who I think and is Harmonia. overrated. But uh, we also get some interesting new stuff like Ghost Hawk, which I always thought was really cool. Um, I've played a lot of very heavy Fangtooth Cavern decks and always found them to be fun if frustrating for your opponents. I was a big fan of Eldest Bear as a leader. I thought she was really cool. But, uh, you know, uh, and plus we got things like the Mustic Mermook, who I think is totally awesome with uh, a little bit of key control, uh, key cost control, plus the ability to do damage. Mix that one up with some Nature's Call and you get some really fun plays that you can make with it. But a few more like kind of, you know, so-so whatever creatures, Molfin, you know, never, not great. Uh, you know, Rustnar is kind of interesting from an artifact control standpoint, but uh, also I never find I get that much value out of them. Um, you know, th there's there's still sort of a mix of real quality stuff and some like less so stuff. Like Nepeta Gigantica, I I honestly don't understand why that card exists. Period. Never mind, just in Untamed. Because why does it have an Amber Pip at least? No, yeah. and, it's, and it's it's a stun thing, which is not a Untamed thing that happens. Like Untamed doesn't stun. It's it seems very out of character for the the house i was doing my preparation for the the podcast and i came across that card and i'm like that's going to be talked about today no matter what <laughs> no matter how it's talked about i know it's going to get brought up yeah we also started to see like some kind of neutery versions of older cards like mab the mad is like a dust pixie only worse um yep. you know there's there's a few others that you can sort of point to that way um Something that hasn't brought, been brought up yet, but uh, Blake will giggle or chuckle, I think, possibly. I'll giggle. I I loved the Merwolves, and still to this day, the only Merwolf decks that I've got were given to me by Blake. <laughs> I have not pulled one yet. I, I opened another one the other day, too, so oh, <laughs> they <God>. keep coming <laughs> to me. <laughs> I gotta ask, like... I've never played a Moorwolf deck, but I've also never seen a Moorwolf deck go off in a game that I was playing or observing. Do they actually, are they good? Can they be good? Rule of they Six kills it. They can be good, yeah. They they Very really true. help. It's true, yeah. And they really help with um, when you have things like uh, Song of the Wild, where a lot of times you have that card in hand and you're just like, well, I don't have any creatures on board yet, so this card's not going to do much. But when you have the Morwolves, it can actually add some value to your Song of the Wild because you at least maybe get one, if not two reaps, instead of just zero. So that's always a, a nice little thing that can be paired with the Morwolves. Also got to give a shout out to Unnatural Selection. I think this is one of the first yeah. board wipes where it actually left creatures on the board and to be able to choose which creatures in your line get to stay, even though you do have to leave some creatures for the opponent, picking which ones stay and which ones don't. It was such a powerful board clear that mm. I, probably my favorite board clear. I keep my three best creatures. You keep your three crappiest creatures. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
So, but yeah, I, I mean, have I, one I last think question that... is uh, Vineapple Tree. What's everyone's thoughts on this card? Because I'm, I'm very curious how people fall on this card. Never done anything for me. Ew. I have it in one deck. I like it, but it's it's nothing great. I just think it's fun. Sydney? It's just something you need to be a fortune teller about. Like, you have to try <laughs> and make the key cost more at the right point. But if you get to pull ahead, then it doesn't work because you already raised the key cost. So it's not something that I can I can strategically find a good way to use. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think once again you're seeing the same thing where it's like you're they're a middle of the middle of the deck, uh, you know, kind of house so to speak because in as much as, you know, you still get some of those super high quality cards in the form of like mimicry and key charge um and nature's call, you you're still seeing like more kind of just like whatever or situational cards like, you know, or just cards that are like whatever, you know, not great. Deepwood Druid, Gaybuck you know, uh, et cetera. Yep. Stuff that is just conditionally okay, but not really setting the world on fire. Um, that, of course, brings us to mass mutation. Mass mutation is interesting because we're starting to see more of those classic great cards kind of fall away. Um, if you are looking for your absolute staple in the form of key charge, it's not here. It's been replaced by key frog, which is interesting but a lot harder to pull off in many ways. Um, additionally, I think that you're seeing a lot more kind of crummy uh, creatures uh, in the mix. Um, lots of creatures that I feel like just aren't real game changers. Like they're they're okay. Um, this is where Chonkers comes around, and I know that I'm probably going to get some 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 flack for saying that Chonkers is not great. But you know, <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of Chonkers. I love the art for Floomph, but I don't find that Floomph really does much overall. Um, you know, you need certain layouts to make things like uh, Lumi Lu or Mercy Malkin Queen really effective. Um, I guess like the coolest cards in this set for me are like Dark Harbinger. I thought that was really cool. Um, Amber Lucian is kind of interesting. Uh, I kind of liked Niffle Kong. Um, you can't skip over Fandangle. Fandangle yeah, was seriously, such a staple of this set. I'm sitting here on bated set. breath <laughs> waiting to hear Fandangle's <laughs> name mentioned, wondering what is happening right now. <laughs> You know what? I'll be honest with you. I never really got Fendangle to work that well for me. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Alex, I will let you play my Fendangle deck that has no one tamed in the deck. It is a Maverick Fendangle in Sanctum and there's no one tamed. That's fantastic. Um, you missed Pismire as well. I think it's one of the best um, key cost increase for untamed i just love it especially with the mutant theme um it's funny that you say you are not a big fan of it. this is my favorite untamed mass mutation Ooh. untamed i like more than coda because it has the best mutant lineup i think uh, aside from logos maybe but i really enjoy the mutant lineup in here even with gloriana's attendance being quite useless i find i have the most fun playing untamed mass mutations um, the recursion card that you've mentioned in the past in Resurgence is just so good, especially when you bring Dav decks into the mix. If you have a Vault's Blessing and you're missing some mutants in Untamed because they already got hit and are in your discard, you can bring them back and pump your board up. Uh, and then, of course, I think Mushroom with the View, especially in pairs, does a lot of work being Omni 
and you can actually just heal damage so easily. I think it's such a fascinating series of cards in uh, in Untamed. And Savage Clash up- is also super fun. Like I know, I, yeah. I guess I'm being a bit aggressive here with the um, Untamed board clears, but it's also such a way, like you know you have it in your deck, so you plan where you put your creatures. And so it's something that, sure, you have to keep it in your head every time you play a creature, but you're just going to wreak havoc on their side of the board. Mm-hmm. I do want to note the fact that um, I do think that one of the best artifact control cards printed in Reclaimed by Nature um, is yep. here. I really like Reclaimed by Nature a lot. Um, but yeah, I just find that there's just a, a lot of my decks, and maybe this is a personal problem, just feel like they're bogged down with a lot of garbage that's no good. And partially that's the fact that like Gloriana's Attendant is a card that shows up a lot, and as much as that gives you extra amber, it also weighs your deck down with a one-power creature that does nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, and that's frustrating to me. I don't like it when it feels like um, and this is my same problem with with going back to Toad and Xenos Blood Shadow. Xenos Blood Shadow is a badass card, but like, is it worth having the drag of having Toad in your deck? I always found no. I'd rather have another card that does something. Is Gloriana's Attendant, oh, you know, spreading out a Dust Pixie over two other cards, but also you have a dead card that does, you know, nothing other than get played and maybe get a Reap off? You know, I, I didn't find that to be the case, personally. Worst giant of all of the creatures. So Niffle Kong, it just didn't do it for me. I think that bringing out, I mean, we already talked about the actual, like the the hidden value of all the um, Niffle Apes, but the Niffle Kong itself didn't didn't compare to the other giants. No, you just take out any Niffles they have and it literally just removes that card from being worth anything other than it sacrifices itself. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with you. I, I do think that last mutation untamed requires out of all the houses the synergy within it like you can't talk Mm -hmm. about cards individually it actually really does matter what else is in it like it works within itself in a really unique way which we haven't seen in the same way like they need to you need this to go with this to make this really potent like you're you're as you talk about uh gloriana's attendant being useless yeah on its own it does feel that way but when throwing down that Gloriana's attendant suddenly has you one more mutant than your opponent and takes them off check for Pismire, then suddenly it has value. So it's little things like that that I think Legitimate. are very interesting. But it's not something that just on, if you're looking them individually, it you're right, it does seem very underwhelming and it does require an interesting interaction, which maybe is what makes Keyforge so great is the interesting combinations of cards. And so when you look at things so individually based, you're not seeing the whole picture. And it's also why, uh, like Brobnar, for example, in the World's Collide era fell short is because individually they weren't great. And then when you put them together, it's also underwhelming as well. It wasn't like they synergize in a cool way like that we can say here with this Untamed. So I think that's something that's quite unique about Keyforge is that the distribution of cards because you don't get to choose it, really impacts how a set's house can be once you start seeing it over and over. I like that. Part of the problem is that if we're looking at Untamed and we're grading it on a curve with other sets, there were so many high-value cards in other times before Mass Mutation that the loss of them and then the reliance on, well, I mean, if you open up a deck and you look at the Untamed, you know, how well are these cards going to synergize together? Are you going to get those interactions that are going to provide a value that makes up for no longer having easy key cheats, you know, Amber Rush, 
an, you know, other, other recursion, you know, in most cases, you know, most of the, the decks you open are going to have, you know, some synergy, but are they going to have synergy that makes up the difference between that and the, those earlier, like good, powerful, awesome cards. And oftentimes I found the answer was no. Fair. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Ember Lucian as a card that was introduced. Uh, I think it's one of the, if not the most interesting turn one play that can be done just for the sheer, like, let's roll a dice and, and see what yeah. happens. Like, I think it's it's such a fun way to start a game because you could totally hose yourself or really make your opponent go, okay, what just happened? So I think it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's a pretty unique, neat card that exists within the game for risk reward. Mm-hmm. All right, and of course, bringing things up to the modern era, Dark Tidings Untamed. Gang, I kind of like Untamed and Dark Tidings. Like, I don't think they're crazy powerful, but there's lots of fun stuff in Untamed. I've really enjoyed playing Untamed in this era. So to run things down, for some reason they brought Bumblebird back, which is intensely (laughs) frustrating to me. Um and to a lot of other people uh too, I'm sure. But we also got the Deepwater Gruen, which is awesome. Um, and also gives you like kind of a fun variation on classic Gruen, who's also around. Fertility Chant is back, which I think is interesting. We get Chelonia, who's like the best version of a hunting witch that isn't actually a hunting witch um, up till this point. Um, you know, I, I really like the Mooklings and think they're interesting because there's ways that you can pump them up with tokens. Um, I like Old Patty and especially uh, Old Patty's Evil Twin a lot. Um, you know, I, I think there's just lots of interesting, cool cards in Untamed around this era, and there's not a lot of, like, things that I'm unhappy to see. I like the fact that there's evil twin versions of these cards now, because it'll give us an option of, hey, if we don't like this, we can hope to get the other version of it and see if it's better. Mm, good point. Super, super great card this set. Waste Knot, like, I can't even believe Agreed. it comes with an Amber Pip. Like, that's Love just that such card. a... Right, it's such a powerful card to have, especially again if you have um, creatures in your deck with from other houses that you can one get rid of because you're not in that house, so it, it's not any use. But two might also just be a really really high power, so it's just a really great card to have. And then you can combo it with uh, popping one of your Deepwater Gruens and dropping a Witch of the Dawn and getting to play it again. I mean, there's Ooh. just really cool interactions that exists with that. I think it's it's really cool. And it's also really cool seeing like you can tell cards are evolutions of other cards that exist came into this, which I find is super interesting. Um, we really saw Untamed take on the artifact control as well mm. in this because, I mean, you have Blossom Drake. Then you have, I mean, no one is upset to see Molly, Molly Mox in multiples. And then, of course in this era of just excessive artifacts having washed away which is the tide is high destroy each artifact otherwise raise the tide i mean it seems just unbelievable that that exists i will say molly mock is not a may so you do have to be careful i have hurt myself yep. in that on tco you play a molly mock and there is nothing out there and you have an artifact you have to destroy your own so um i'm going to throw this out there i think the best card I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna just put this out there in I think Dark Tidings is Ritual of Life. I think that card is absolutely bonkers and you can get things that really abuse and give you some amazing combo potential with it. Completely agree with you. 
Ritual yeah. of Life is fantastic, and I'm glad you brought it up because if you hadn't, I was going to. Is just like a, this card is bananas. If you're not familiar, Ritual of Life is an artifact action. Destroy a friendly creature. If you do, return a different creature from your discard pile to your hand. Just self-evident all the shenanigans you can get up to with that. Mm-hmm. All right. I will also put out there, I never got to the point of wrapping my head around the combination of the, all right, the pronunciations here, the Fifaldi, the Bombix, and the Chenille. I, I guess just mm. there, there's no combination of, yeah, right? There's no combination of those three cards that, that I feel like I've ever gotten on the board successfully. I've done it more than once. It is, it <gasps> feels great. I'll tell you, Ritual of Life really helps those cards do well. Same with Witch of the Dawn. Those, That's those what made recursion me think of it. cards, yeah, really, really help you make that work. But uh, yeah, you're right. It is kind of like, eh, well, I guess there it goes. <laughs> so one of the things I want to really address here is that I still feel like, um, especially Untamed, has has gotten a lot of its burst potential back in this set. There's lots of ways to get Amber with Untamed. Um, there's still only one key cheat in the form of Key Frog, and that's ultimately probably for the best in terms of balance. One of the things that I find that Keyforge has been very good at is as the game has evolved, they've tried to get away from one player just being able to like end the game without, you know, the the opponent having any way to answer it, right? Mm-hmm. So and, yep. and I think the key frog really does, you know, sort of it, you know, you, your opponent has an opportunity to deal with key frog in some way. Um, you know, but beyond that, you know, it, it's still a thing where I'm thinking about what is it that when untamed is gone, what do we need to replace? And I think if we're looking at how untamed looks currently, that artifact control, I think is going to be missed. Um, certainly that Amber generation is going to be missed. Is there any other trait from untamed that is going to be missed when they are not present in winds of exchange? I think that there is a degree putting damage out there and not in the form of like a board wipe, but just like some damage in incremental damage, I guess we could call it. Because it's always existed to a degree a little bit. If it's like play a creature, do damage. And we've always seen uh, a couple cards fulfill that. And Going so, all the way um, back to like Lupo the Scarred and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and that's reprinted here. And then you got the the Mustic Mermook, and then we have Piranha Monkeys, one of my absolute favorite cards. Uh, just those little things. Then we got Spore Gorger in here to continue on with that. I just think it's interesting. And then Word of Returning, of course, which became uh, one of the hottest cards in the game once Exalting existed. So I just think it's interesting that we're going to see how that goes. And obviously I think Brobnar can take on that mantle and probably we're going to see Mars as well have some cards that that bring that to the table. I also think something that Untamed had that the other houses had less of was more of a versatility of their creatures. They actually range in a lot of different powers and abilities and power levels and everything that they do really like it comes down to which ones are in your deck because untamed brought with it so many different types of of ways to utilize creatures that i think that all of the other houses are a little bit more like niche or a little bit more themed where you know what you're going to get so i think something that um whether whether it's a good thing or a bad thing having untamed go away means that you might get a little less of a, a crossover use between houses of your creatures. Mm. And I guess power counters is going to be something that 
will not really be in the game because everything that gives power counters seems to fall within the realm of untamed so will that even be a thing really in the next set or will that be something that the new house kind of takes on because that seems like a very likely thing based on it's an exchange you know and they're a mercantile sort of theme i could see them having power counters in theirs I'm hoping they have power counters because I love them in this set, especially in Untamed. I was just going to say I wouldn't miss those if they didn't yeah, come Yeah, I wouldn't back. miss those either. <laughs> They're just like, it's like rummaging for your power counters just feels like a nuisance. <laughs> One thing, actually, that I'm really glad they've gotten away from and that I will never miss, like if they never try and bring this back and you don't see much of it in Dark Tidings, is half-assed healing mechanics, which is a thing they always kind of try to shoehorn into uh, Untamed. And like... Outside of the Omni artifact, um, uh, what is it, Mushroom with a View, um, that you mentioned earlier, Blake, I never like healing cards. I don't find healing to be, like, a good value proposition in most cases. Like, heal a creature, so what? Uh, more often than not, it doesn't matter. Um, and it's you know, a sanctum I think thing, too. Like, they do yeah. that well. Yeah. I was going to say Cleansing Wave. There's some value. Yeah. Yeah, but only because they they tied the healing to Ambergain. Like, so often with Untamed, I found that they tried to make it just, like, the the value you're getting from this thing is that you're healing something. And I'm always just like, ugh. Yeah. Who cares? Fair. Can't end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. This one's called... Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. Blake, you got one for us this week? I do, indeed. So, this week, uh, I wanted to kind of take a trip down memory lane, so to speak, because I got to play this past week my very first Keyforge deck I ever opened, and it felt completely new when I played it. It was a very different experience. I saw lines differently than I have in the past. It's been probably over a year since I played it. And I just wanted to give everyone a reminder to visit old favorites, because as the game changes... We see new metas evolve, new sets to interact with that you've never gotten to put that deck against before, as well as your own growth within the game from just playing new cards. You're going to have a different play experience with some of those old favorites. So don't be afraid to take a trip down memory lane and have some fun with your older decks because you might be surprised what you discover now that you have grown as a player and the game has grown as a whole. See, Blake, you're making me want to pull out my very first deck, which was uh, Brobnar Shadows Untamed, and I Do loved it. that deck, and it was actually a pretty good deck, so now, I, I think I might actually end up playing a game after we finish recording here with it, just to just to have that little revisit an old flame, if you will. Yeah, hopefully you get to go against Dark Tidings, so you have that completely new experience. Yeah, that would be really cool. Uh, you can find me, of course, or you can find us, of course, at HFS Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at Skezzy Gruen on The Crucible. Uh, where can they find you and what have you got going on, Rick? You can find me on The Crucible at Richter78 and also on Twitter as The Wheeling Key Forger. And Sydney, where can they find you? What have you got going on? Um, I am SC Steel on TCO and Discord, and uh, nothing much going on right now. My locals actually decided to go to a once a month on Tuesday nights, so it's not going to be as as popular. So I'm going to have to start branching out to uh, into the city of Chicago to start playing some in person KeyForge. And Blake, where can they find you, and what's up with you? 
Well, you can find me on Twitter or Discord. On Twitter, it's Boulevard Blake. That's B L V D Blake. On Discord, it's uh, Boulevard Blake number sign three eight four zero. Today, Thursday, upon which you are listening to this episode, it is the last day to sign up for the ABR League. If you have an inclination to do so, I will be a captain on there. So, if that tickles your fancy, please hop on over toot sweet and become a part of this next uh, season which should be a lot of fun alright we gotta get out of here until next time stay forced.